Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. may be seated. Jesus speaks the words in the gospel reading today in order that the disciples might be comforted after Jesus ascended into heaven. And this last Thursday was Ascension Day. He teaches them about the work of the Holy Spirit and about the consolation he brings to the church as he bears witness to Jesus and, ha- and, ha- and hands over to them forgiveness, life, and salvation. And when we hear these words on this Sunday of the church year, we think about that today, that same word which is preached to us after the Lord has ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. And so St. John records for us that Jesus said, But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. So the thing about the Holy Spirit taught here in God's Word and kind of pointing us and thinking about Pentecost, which is next Sunday, is that the Holy Spirit's job, his office, is to point to Jesus. The Holy Spirit here is called the paraclete, literally the one who comes alongside of us, the one who comforts us, the one who is our advocate, our counselor, all of those things. And he does this through the Word of God, which is preached to you and through the sacraments. So that's why we always make a big deal about the Holy Spirit promising and telling us that he attaches himself to these means and where we are to find him at work. Because when we try to search for God and the work of the Holy Spirit apart from the word and sacraments, it's against the Bible and what God teaches us. Hearing this from Jesus, then the disciples would bear witness about Jesus because they were his eyewitnesses with him from the beginning of his earthly ministry. Their mouths would be the proclamation of Christ as Jesus sent them out at his ascension to preach repentance and forgiveness of sins to all nations, making disciples by baptizing and teaching all that Jesus had commanded. Their work would be the Spirit's work, even as the same Spirit would be their comfort. And that term used for bear witness here is that martyr word, which is used in the scriptures. And some translations, if you look in different translations of the Bible, will have testify or testimony. And while there's a part of that, there's something important that goes along with this bearing witness. It's connected with a specific content, or rather a specific person, and has a sense to it of saying favorable things. When the apostles would bear witness about Jesus, their words would be about what Jesus had done, even as they saw these events happen with their own eyes. The subject of their preaching was always to be a confession of fix your eyes on Christ crucified and risen. And this is the same thing the Holy Spirit does as he used the apostles' preaching. The Holy Spirit never says, look at me, guys, I'm the Holy Spirit. No, the Holy Spirit says, look to Jesus. And here he is as I am giving him to you now. It makes sense then what Jesus said, why he said what he did next. Jesus said, I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not yet, they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. So Jesus knows what's going to happen. 
And he speaks these words to encourage them, which encourage literally means to what? To give courage. Because they're going to endure a lot for the sake of Christ. There's always a cost that comes along with following Jesus. The Christian's life is cruciform. It's bearing the cross that's placed upon us in our baptism, and we remember that when we make the sign of the cross. So those things of suffering and cross come with faithfulness to the extent that sometimes it's even a mark or sign of faithfulness. And Jesus tells them in this specific instance that they will be put out of the synagogues, a a term that's only used in the New Testament. It's really, we would maybe translate it as excommunicated. So why? It's because of Jesus and bearing witness to him. And then St. Peter uh, expands on this in the epistle reading as we heard those words of as he heard those words of jesus with his own two ears and as he experienced firsthand what jesus said would happen he said beloved do not be surprised at the fire trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you but rejoice insofar as you share christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed if you are insulted for the name of christ you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. So those sufferings that the Christian endures are for the sake of in the name of Jesus. And this is something that makes the Christian suffering unique. When we think about the world that we live in, what makes our suffering as Christians any different than the Muslim, the Jew, the Buddhist, the atheist? All of these groups are affected by illness. All of them suffer violence all die. Likewise, even things that the church rightly stands up against in our day, moral issues, speaking against abortion, against homosexuality and standing up for marriage, or any number of those other things, while good and right, you don't necessarily have to be Christian to oppose those or be persecuted for it. You can see atheist groups who are pro-life. No, the issue Jesus is talking about here, what St. Peter experienced firsthand, is precisely because they bore witness to Jesus. The Jews didn't like it when they preached Christ. And for us today, it's the same thing. And you look around and there's no lack of this from the the world, the devil, and even our own fallen flesh. To confess Jesus and be faithful to his word with our mouths, with our lives, will bring about suffering upon us, and we may even be put out of places because we will not budge on this confession of Christ and his word. And in this gospel reading, Jesus just isn't talking about the Romans persecuting them. It's the Jews, those who should have known better, the ones Jesus came to, the ones who rejected him as the Messiah. And not only that, but they thought they were doing God's word, work when they expelled the disciples from the synagogues and sought to have them killed. You remember in the book of Acts, Paul, before his conversion, when he was Saul, Um, thought he was doing godly things. He held the coats of the people stoning Stephen to death or going off to Damascus to find followers of Jesus and have them arrested. He thought and lived those things, but he was wrong. So with all of that then, all of that stuff that's kind of thrown out there before us, what does that mean for us today? As we sit here, as we sit and hear these words of Jesus, Well, you know that you're not apostles who are eyewitnesses to Jesus. You know you're not sent out to preach and baptize. 
You aren't first century Jews either who believe in Jesus and are kicked out of your local synagogues for confessing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. So what? Who are you? Well, hear these words again from the beginning of the epistle reading. The end of all things as it is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything... God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And so God instructs you as Christians to know who you are. You're the body of Christ. You're the church. And as such, you belong to the Lord. And you are to be united in your confession of who he is as he has bought you with the price of his own blood. And you see, that's the mindset that realizes the end of all things is at hand, ever since the ascension of Jesus. I was reading this the other day with Pastor Preuss and Pastor Lingard, the end of all things is at hand, and we just chuckled. Like, no kidding, right? And as Christians, you're taught to see this, to understand things differently in the world. And so you don't lose your head about the goings-on in life. We don't cower in fear, but we're self-controlled. We do these things for the sake of our prayers. So what we do is we turn our gaze outward to Christ. We pray to God at all times and all circumstances. We pray for wisdom, for courage, for steadfastness, and love for one another. In that Old Testament reading, God describes what he would do in Christ and who you are as his people. Ezekiel wrote, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses, and from all your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart, and a new spirit I will put within you. And if I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh, and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and be careful to obey my rules, you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers, and you shall be my people." And I will be your God. So hearing those words of God, know that the days are short. And see the example of these apostles and disciples and the martyrs of the faith who endured much for the sake of Christ, even death. And take seriously this confession of Christ and his word, because these are the things of eternity. And all that is unchanging in this world that seems to change in an instant, the word of the Lord is the thing that endures forever. And so you examine your life, and God exposes that you have sinned in thought, word, and deed, by what you've done, by what you've left undone, as we confessed a few minutes ago. And we take those things seriously, and we turn from our sin and repent. And then if you suffer for being faithful, then count it as a blessing as a time to rejoice that you have Christ and all that he has done and gladly have his name placed upon you, along with the cross that you bear. But whatever the case, 
God calls you to fix your eyes on Jesus. Because you see, he calls you to go where there is comfort, where there is peace, where there's salvation. He calls you to hear his word and receive his gifts, knowing that these are where forgiveness, life, and salvation are found. And so it's with this, then, that God speaks to you, dear saints of God, this day. And he says, peace be with you. He says, your sin is forgiven, and take heart, dear child of God, I'm yours. You are mine. I will be my God, your God, and you will be and are my people. Ascended in triumph to the right hand of God, Jesus rules and reigns as king, which means he is very near, and he's here right now. And the Holy Spirit is at work in this place, and you have all that Jesus has accomplished freely and fully. And Jesus says that with the Holy Spirit, there is help, there is comfort, there is peace. He is our counselor, and we fear not, because the Lord is the one who has made peace with the Father by his blood, the one who has conquered sin, the one who has conquered the devil, the one who has conquered death. And so gathering together, this is the last Sunday of the Easter season, but you know what? Every, every Sunday is a little Easter. And you gather as God's people who have eternal life. And that means something every day, and especially during this time in your life. Baptized into Christ, you share in the death and resurrection of Jesus. So these very bodies that are sitting at a social distance from one another, and nobody came in that they had to sit by the pink uh, jump rope on the back, up in the balcony. But those very bodies that you look around and you see, those are going to be raised from the dead, just as Jesus is risen from the dead. And that's something that's never changed. It isn't changing. It won't ever change. Because those are God's promises to you, even now, and you look forward to that day. And so until that day, you, as the people of God, hold fast this confession, hold fast this hope with all steadfastness and endurance, encourage and love one another, because you're not alone as the Holy Spirit has called you by the gospel and gathered you together as the body of Christ. The consolation of God is yours, and you have peace, you have a clear conscience to receive his gifts, and you have a new life in this world as people who know the future. Even in these end days, until the Lord returns, you know what is to come. And it's a glory beyond compare. So rejoice in Christ. Confess him who is your life. Now and forever. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen.